Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. His name is Jared Pugar. My name is Alex Stump. Jared, how's it going, man? Alex, it's great. Free agency has begun. The World Series is over. It's off season for baseball. What gets any better than that? We got hot stove. It's it's more like lukewarm right now. No, it's not. But it's heating up. It is heating up. NBA jams. They made three in a row. They're heating. It's heating up. I, Where is Yoshi Satsuko going to play next year? How many food service jobs did you do in your life? Uh, three. One, I got fired um, via, like, they wrote on my check, no longer needed. Um, another, <laughs> I separated my shoulder at football and wasn't asked to return after I was off the IL. Um, oh, and then I was a bartender. Okay, well, I... I did a lot of pizza jobs and like whatever you walk into the shop. Wait, 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 wait. You made pizza. I can't see this. I, can't I did see a lot that of happen. delivery, but you, you're a utility player for some of this, especially. Again, I can't see you delivering my pizza, but next time you're in Altoona, we have you deliver my food. Freelance life was tough. Got to make, <laughs> gotta make ends meet. But no, that was once you get in and you walk in. And the pizza maker has been off for 11 hours. We're at that stage of the offseason. It's not even remotely close to warm yet. Agree to disagree. But there is the allure of there will be pizza at some point. That's where we are in this offseason. Oh, now I'm starting to get hungry. But you're right. And I would say maybe the, the stove is it's to the point in Pittsburgh where it's like, all right, well, this is, we're just turning this on to, to turn it on and see if it still works. It's actually just shooting puffs of air. The gas hasn't been turned on because there's a former pirate legend that had his club option denied. And uh, well, is there a reunion in store? Are we talking about Andrew McCutcheon or, or did some random? Oh, wait, no, you're talking about Wade LeBlanc. He got his uh, option denied by the Cardinals, didn't he? I, I'm i talking about cuts here. We, we don't need oh, okay. the Leblancs. Well, you, you have to be more specific with, with stuff when like When I this, say poor, former Pirate legend and club option denied. Denied! I meant Andrew McCutcheon. I'm sorry. Next, okay. time, I'll, next time, I'll clear it. I mix up the two often. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can't see why not. Well, yes, Andrew McCutcheon is a free agent. And no, Andrew McCutcheon is not coming to the Pirates. But they have spots in the corner outfield. Yeah, Jared and me, before we get into this exercise, Jared, I just want to acknowledge first and foremost that it ain't happening. It ain't happening. If it does happen, you know, put this podcast in in the freezing cold takes or whatever. But in the year of our Lord 2021, this offseason, 
leading into the 2022 Major League Baseball season, whenever that may start, Andrew McCutcheon is not going to be a Pittsburgh Pirate for it. It just doesn't make sense. They could, they do have the money to do it, but is it the right opportunity? No. Give those spots to other young players. Focus on reun- reuniting with Kutch in 2023, 2024, whatever, 2025. At some point later down the road, whenever you have a more complete team right now, because right now it's borderline pandering if they were to bring him back in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really think it's a good fit for either team um, or either either side here. I mean, yeah, the reunion would be great. Um but again, he's already been through the rebuild and reload and whatever phase you want to call it in Pittsburgh. Andrew McCutcheon's in his career now. He's, he wants to win now. He, he, he's got to get that hardware. And you know what? I think, you know, he's earned that opportunity. Uh, and I think he still has a couple more years left of quality baseball. Do the Pirates bring him back in a year or two? Maybe. And I, I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing. I think that would be really the perfect fit really to – to kind of bookmark and, and really just kind of end the career in Pittsburgh. I think that would be a great opportunity if he would even want to, because at the same time, man, it's not like he and the pirates ended things on good terms. They didn't end him, end him on the worst of terms either. Like he, he's, he, he doffs the cap every time he comes back to PNC park. He always gets a nice round of applause at the start of those series. That's nice. Look, I, just as a fan of the game of baseball, Andrew McCutcheon should retire a pirate at some point. Oh, it's absolutely. Just, it's just he is not anywhere close to there right now. He can help a team that's competing, be that type of guy who can help take them over the edge to get them into the playoffs, maybe win a series in the playoffs. There's just a lot of stuff right there, right there, right now with Andrew McCutcheon. Focus on that. Because if you know, he might have a little good baseball left in him. Maybe he can, you know, make have those two good years that he needs to be a Hall of Fame, you know, contender. You know, and if he had those years at PNC Park, yeah, that'd be great for the Pirates. But what would happen? This team would maybe win 72, 73 games in 2022. Like, yeah. it's this, this isn't the team yet. This isn't the team yet. No, this is a team where you, when you have the, the, the studs really lined up, then then he becomes that utility guy, that that third or fourth outfielder, um, use him off the bench if that's the role that he's okay with. But, yeah, I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. That too. Oh, that's right. Um, but, no, I mean, that's the thing is it's just not a good fit right now. Down the road, I think it, I think it honestly it should be and, and ha- not necessarily has to be, but – I think it would be highly recommended throughout the fan base and, and throughout really all of baseball to bring Andrew McCutcheon back to the Pirates, especially if they're geared up for some playoff runs. Yeah, which they are a couple years away from at the soonest. Like the best case scenario you look at this team is 2022, they show some teeth, they show a bit more of a competitive edge. And then in 2023, it comes together and they go on a little bit of a run with that young team and maybe make the playoffs. That's like the best case scenario for this parts team. And even then, I, I, I think it's more likely 2022 is a rough year still, maybe not 2021 rough, but you know, you see some of these guys come through 2023, they show some of the teeth 2024. They're better. 
they're ideally for the Pirates' sake of the rebuild, good by that point. Yeah, you would hope so. I mean, you you want those guys to develop, but you know, we talk about the playoffs, and that's something the Pirates haven't been in in a couple of years. But throughout Major League Baseball, the World Series just ended, and there's an unexpected champion um, throughout Major League Baseball. And when we come back in the second segment. We'll talk about the Atlanta Braves and their World Championship winning team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pirates Podcast. Be named later. I am one of your hosts, Jared Brugger. He is Alex. So, Alex. If you would have looked at me and we would have talked in spring training and we talked about the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series, neither of us, I, I don't think, could have kept a straight face. But here we are, the 2021 World Series champions are the Atlanta Bravos. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. People who listened to this podcast back in March, right before the season started, no, I picked the Atlanta Braves to go to the World Series this year. I had them losing to the Twins, but I had them in the World Series this year. One of two. One of two isn't one for two. Isn't that is bad. a solid one for two, if I ever heard. Yeah, and, and seriously, one. because your second pick was terrible. And then I decided to make a different batch of predictions for the second round of the playoff, or once the playoffs got started, and the White Sox won one playoff game and bounced. So that <laughs> I've done picking. Anyone from the American League Central. That's my takeaway. I hereby renounce the American League Central for all playoff picks until they win their next World Series as a division. Oh, I don't think that they'll win for quite some time. That I've but... renounced them for quite some time. I'm done. I'm done looking like a fool trying to <laughs> for stuff like it that. It doesn't matter who you're going to pick, Alex. You'll still look like a fool. But I think the first thing that we need to talk about is game one. Game one featured former pirate Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton broke his leg. Charlie Morton stayed in the game and still managed two strikeouts on a broken leg. He put the team on his back. But only like three quarters of his body because his other because his leg was broken. Like the toughness. And, and as a pitcher, if you think about this, you use your legs probably as much as you use your arms. And you're using them every pitch, right? You're using them every every movement. The amount of pain and adrenaline going through his body in that moment. It wasn't like he did terribly on the broken leg. He still managed two strikeouts. <laughs> like that is one of the toughest performances you'll ever see um, in a World Series game, in any game, let alone a World Series game. But you know, this Braves team was fun to watch down the stretch, and that was without Ronald Acuna. Yeah, well, they were able to figure it out with a, just a slew of new outfielders. I mean, I, I'm going to – my only real takeaway with, the, with Atlanta, and this applies to everything, is windows close. There's only a certain amount of time you could be competitive. And that Atlanta team – they're, they're going to be competitive for a while, especially if they're able to keep Freeman. Like Acuna is going to come back. Albies is going to come back. They have a good young core of players, some prospects still who are top 100 worthy in the system. That's a team that is going to be good for a good couple years to come. But they recognize 
that windows close. And if it's five years from now, whenever it does close, they can't say, they don't want to look back and be like, man, if only we would have gone for it in 2021. They recognize their division was weak. They could win the division and still have a chance to do something in the playoffs. And they did that. They didn't give up the top prospects to build that outfield. Eddie Rosario was quite literally given to them for just a couple bucks. It was a team that was willing to take that step that so few teams are willing to anymore. They were not the 2016 Pittsburgh Pirates. The 2016 Pittsburgh Pirates uh, thought that window was going to stay open. And that's shut why immediately. It, it, it did shut immediately because two or three players just Liriano McCutcheon and Cole were all hurt or terrible. And all of a sudden that window closes. And that's, that's should be the cautionary tale for every general manager. It never reopened again with, with them. And we can talk about all the problems that they had with ideologies and all the problems that they had with strategy and all the problems that they had with player development. And those sins stacked up to the point that it did cost people their jobs. That was the beginning of the end. Honestly, whenever you look back on it of them not being willing to go for it, whether it was keeping a Neil Walker, whether it was trying to find a way to sign a J.A. Happ, whether it was a way to maybe we could do better than Ryan Vogel's song. No, that was a team that was like, our top-end talent will bail us out. This Atlanta team lost their top-end talent in Ronald Acuna, and they didn't give up, and they have a ring because of it. That should be their takeaway. They earned that World Series more than anything. Good for people like Snicker who put entire baseball life into one organization. It's great to see people like him win. It's great to see genuinely good guys like Charlie Morton win. But that was a team, that front office won that for them because at the end of July, they said, we're going for it. We don't care what the situation is. We know how good this team can be. We're not going to waste a year in this window. And and no, you hit the nail right on the head there because the biggest thing is they went all in and they were not in a good, they were not in good shape when the trade deadline hit, you know, and obviously in my opinion, the Richard Rodriguez trade changed the entire makeup of the organization. I kid because I care, but the, the fact of the matter is their front office went all in doubled down and the players believed in themselves. So it it was twofold. They're like, Oh, the, the, the front office believes in us. Well, we should believe in ourselves. And that is huge. You talk about confidence and confidence in anything um, in, in any realm of, of life, whether you're in education, whether you're an athlete, whether you're in the media, confidence is key. And it sounds super cliche, but it is because it, it has so much of an impact on you. Because when you're going up to the plate and you're hitting the balls six out of seven times or six out of 10 times, and you're having a lot of success, you have confidence. When you're slumping and you're 0 for 10 and you struck out six of those 10 times, that confidence is already found. It makes it even tougher to perform. But these guys, you know, Dancy Swanson was great. Freddie Freeman was solid. Morton was a stud. This team was fun to watch. They, they did it the right way. The front office built it the right way, believed in the team the right way, and it paid off because now they got some hardware and they got some big gaudy rings coming to them here in the spring. Now, here's the second part of what I said about windows being open and recognizing that they cannot, they cannot 
let Freddie Freeman walk. No, he is he is that franchise. Because when we were growing up, you know, I'm 30. Greg Maddox, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, John Swoltz were that franchise. They were the core four. They were that, you know, just like the Yankees had Posada, Rivera, Jeter, um, and Andy Pettit, right? But the Braves, you think of Glavin, you think of Smoltz, you think of Maddox, you think of Chipper Jones, and they got to keep that core together. And if they keep that core together, I don't see the a- the NL East being that competitive in the next few years to come. Honestly, the team out of the NL East, who I think is in the best position to usurp them, Marlins. That's right. Speaking of Jeter. Yeah, I think the Marlins are – because the Phillies aren't ever going to do it. The Phillies are just in this – purgatory of nothingness that they don't have the guts to rebuild with and they don't have the smarts to or the willingness to spend the extra money that they need to go over the top with they did they, they're Harper, just in this purgatory of how this organization is being run at the moment under dombrowski he is not a good general manager i've said that multiple times the nationals finally stopped kidding themselves and embrace that they are going to have to rebuild the Mets are the biggest laughing stock in baseball. And until I'm hired as general manager as the Met of the Mets, because I'm the only person who hasn't turned them down this entire time, they are just not going to be that particularly good. So the Atlanta's in a, a spot where they just are fine right now. They are fine. And they could have rested on their laurels, but they didn't. And that's, that's a, why they have a ring right now. The next team that's going to challenge them are the Marlins. I don't know if that's even coming in 2022. Maybe it is. If that pitching staff stays healthy, it is going to be stupid, stupid good. It's it's going to be, do they have enough hitting to get through? Even then, I don't know if they're as good as Atlanta is right now. Well, and that's the thing. And, and we talk about this all the time on my college football podcast with, with Corey Geiger and, and the We Are podcast, right? We talk about what, what needed to happen at Clemson and Dabo Swinney for them to have success. Florida State had to implode. Well, the Braves, in this situation, the entire NL East has imploded. They're not good. The, the Phillies are just going to be in this hamster wheel, spinning and spinning and spinning and not going anywhere. Yep. The Mets are a gigantic tire fire. If you do get hired Perpetually. as GM, if you do get hired as GM, I would appreciate you bringing me on board. As a coach, uh, manager, you know what? We might as well take it major league. The only position I have filled so far is uh, Josh Taylor is going to be Bobby Bonilla Day coordinator. Deal. Perfect. I'll even take a Bobby Bonilla contract. That'd be great. Um, But, you know, they so they doubled down and it works. And and, then you go back to 2016, the Pirates. The Pirates still needed Cincinnati to fall apart, St. Louis to fall apart the Brewers to fall apart and the Cubs to fall apart. And when you need those teams to fall apart, it's tough. And in the NL central there for a couple of years, I'd say for probably from 2013 to 2016 was one of the best, if not the best divisions in all of baseball. No question. You know, the, the pirates were successful. The Cardinals, the Cardinals perpetually successful under Mike Matheny at the time. Um, the Brewers and Craig council and the Cubs under Joe Madden. Um, and the pirates just did nothing. They just, they won their 96, 98 games and just sat on their thumbs and expected it to, to continue. And well, here we are now we're on another rebuild. Now 
you mentioned Ryan Vogel song. Right, that was Ryan Vogel song 2.0 because that was the second time he played for the Pirates. Yeah. Because what goes around comes around. Did I ever tell you the story of how I met Ryan Vogel song whenever I was like 11 years old? I'm here for it. They used to do uh, the pirate meetups at, at Giant Eagles back in the day whenever they would send two, two reserves or whatever. Like whoever the 24th and 25th guy were on the rosters, they would send them out there and you could get autographs. And my mom braved McKnight rush hour traffic just oh. <laughs> get 11 year old alex to see ryan vogel's song that is a hell of a woman right there and uh geez just oh, oh imagine that imagine you're 11 years old you don't have a care in the world and you want to go see ryan vogel's song and get his autograph oof I got Jason Grilly's autograph. I was in college. My mother was a big Jason Grilly fan. He was doing a book signing. And if you ever had the opportunity to read his book, I think it should be satire, but that's just me. Um, there's just something about referencing God, stepping on a rusty nail that to me is satire. But um, <laughs> I'm, so I'm I, thinking back to Charlie's review for Buck's dugout. And that's, that's, the, that's on the Mount Rushmore of Pirates blog posts it all time, his review of that book. I think, so that's, okay, we have time. This is our own podcast. We Let's have some fun here. But like, Jason Grilly is, it, the the scene is, just my game, I believe, is the title of the book. Yeah, it is, because I'm looking yeah. at my bookshelf. I have it on there. Um, it's right next to uh, Steve Blass, A Pirate for Life. And Jason Grilly, when he played for the Pirates, was very, very good. And so, of course, you know, he, he steps on a rusty nail in the locker room and references himself running and his hair flowing like he's God. And the players are like, oh, how is he doing this? It is a shocker. And lo and behold, that changed my entire opinion about him. And I'm just like, oh, this is so cringy. Um, but be careful what you wish for when you read when you read books. Um <laughs> Because you might, <laughs> as Alex is hysterically laughing, you might, you know, you might find a memoir and, and it might not, it shouldn't be very funny, but it ends up being incredibly satirical. And, and then here you are. <laughs> We're going to take a break. I need a minute. We'll <laughs> back with a little more stuff. Pirates podcast to be named later, book club edition. Alex, what's your favorite book? My favorite book? Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk books. Okay. Uh, because you have to be careful what you wish for. You have to be careful what you wish for. Uh, to, to keep it on a baseball path, I think my, I, I'm going to give a tie for my favorite baseball book of, of Moneyball and the best team... Moneyball by Michael Lewis and The Best Team Money Can Buy by Molly Knight. Both of them are absolutely fantastic. I would strongly, strongly recommend both. Favorite 
book in general um i know it's a kid's book but it's been my favorite one of my favorites since i was like eight i i absolutely love charlie and the chocolate factory i think it's a very perfect uh summary of like just literature and storytelling uh and for so i can pretend that i am an adult i like the i really love the old man of the sea too by Hemingway. So there, I'm an adult and I gave an adult book <laughs> instead of just rolled doll. You're an adult? Um, you know, I like those. I like Money Ball. I like Ball 4. Um, I think that's always a good one. I listen, I, I like to read a bunch of different things and um, I have every Tim Tebow book known to man. How many has um, he written? Only like two or three. Okay. Um, but you know, my one of my favorite books that I read, I read 13 books during the initial quarantine. It's the longest two weeks of my life. Wow. Um, but one of the books that I read then was bought was um, No Excuses by Bob Stoops, the former Oklahoma Sooners coach. I love that book. Um, one of the uh, one of my other favorite books, uh, I also read Big Sexy, which is Bartolo Colon's. Um, autobiography and if you have the chance it is a picture book and it is great because there's nothing extremes Bartolo alone like a book titled big sexy and it has pictures in it <laughs> you talk about being an adult um and then a couple other books that i liked uh unscripted by ernie johnson uh the tnt reporter whose son tragically passed away over the weekend um and uh, the last lecture, I think, is is my big is one is my all time favorite book by Randy Pausch, the Carnegie Mellon professor. Um, I did when I taught high school English, we did a last lecture project, and I thought that was a really cool thing to do. And it's really hard to put that in perspective for high school kids, um, but you know, just different stuff like that. And um, but no, it's it's one of those cool things, and. You know, books are books are cool. And, and I know this podcast now smells like rich mahogany and leather bound books. But <laughs> but before we wrap it up, Alex, what else do you have? Um, I guess my deep, dark confession is I can't remember the last book I read cover to cover. I, it might be going all the way back down to maybe spring training. I don't read a lot of books anymore. Like I, I, I obviously read, but it's usually articles and, you know, short Form, long form pieces and stuff like that that I just I don't count comics in that either I don't know like whenever I want to be entertained I, I go to movies or television or video games or comic books or something rather than actual literature anymore because I don't know I I claim I'm an adult but then I do that yeah that was pretty <laughs> bad that was oof. wow Alex that was I'm so disappointed. Um, no, I, and I, I honestly, I agree because I haven't, I haven't been able to read um, very many books recently either. Um, you know, it's just one of those situations, but no, I, it's funny. I have, I'm sitting here in my office in my, in my house and I have this a bookshelf and I'm looking over and I got, <laughs> I have a book where I'm actually published in it. I'm, I was in the who's who uh, 2013 uh, for colleges. So I've amounted to a lot. Um, that's fun. I have Stuart Scott, the Ripken way, the Matheny manifesto, a uh, little Muhammad Ali action. Um, the book that I um, edited during the quarantine, grief and self self care. Um, a couple of Lou Gehrig books, seeing home, which is a really cool story. 
Um, a couple of Derek Jeter books, because why not? Uh, Mariano Rivera, Mel Stoudemire. And then I get into uh, John Wooden and my basketball coaches and some Tony Dungy, some Steve Blass and cartoon, uh, our cartoon book that DK Pittsburgh Sports published from our uh, illustrator, Rob Ullman. So, you know, it's the books are fun. I know that shout out to Jake Krause, one of the leaders in the clubhouse and, and books, but um, you know, it, they're fun. They keep you young and, and they do tend to make you feel like an adult every once in a while, if you're able to read um, everyone every so often. I'll just read whatever fan graphs produces and what's produced on DK Pittsburgh sports and what's produced for the DK Pittsburgh sports podcast network. That's what we call plug at the end of an episode, Jared. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts. And be sure to read too. And be sure to read and not just what Jared and I write and what we write here at DK. Just read books. LeVar Burton's going to be our guest next week. And he's going to tell, he's going to teach me the importance of reading again. Reading rainbow. I like it. Loving it. And, and then he's going to take the Jeopardy job like he should. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week. Mm-hmm.